You are listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. This week, we have NCBA's Tanner Beamer and Montana cattle and beef producer Jake Fettis of Fettis Family Meats on to talk about the direct act that was introduced in the House. Tanner, thanks for joining us. Can you give us a recap on the direct act being introduced in the House this week? Sure thing, Steve. So the DIRECT Act, which is the Direct Interstate Retail Exemption for Certain Transactions Act, a mouthful to be sure, uh, was reintroduced today by Congressman Dusty Johnson from South Dakota and Henry Cuellar, who comes to us from Texas. Uh, this piece of legislation was originally introduced in the last Congress, but they brought it back for consideration uh, now that they have officially kicked off the 117th Congress. What this legislation would do is it would amend the Federal Meat Inspection Act to allow processors, butchers, or other retailers to sell what we call retail quantities of beef uh, that has been state inspected to consumers across state lines so long as that transaction was facilitated over the internet. So basically, if you're a, a state inspected meat packer, a small, very small facility, uh, and you want to uh, open up some new markets across state lines for some of your products, uh, this legislation would allow you to do so. Uh, if you can facilitate those uh, in e-commerce and you can sell them, uh, that retail quantity translates to 300 pounds of beef. So no more than that, but that equals, you know, roughly a quarter or uh, maybe, maybe even a side on some smaller steers or something like that. Um, but ultimately what we're trying to do here with this is uh, allow some of these small processors who have really played a critical role in keeping the beef supply chain moving throughout the COVID crisis, a little bit of relief. You know, I, I've been talking to a lot of producers and, and we've got one on with us today in Mr. Jake Fettis, and he can probably attest that it has been very, very difficult uh, to get uh, slaughter dates scheduled with some of these local butchers. And so we want to make sure that they are continuing uh, to process cattle and uh, we wanna eliminate some uncertainty for them by allowing them to access some of these out-of-state markets through e-commerce and thus you know, allow them to focus more on production rather than selling uh, that product. Well, that's great, Tanner. Jake, if this bill was enacted into law, what opportunities would that provide for you as a Montana cattle grower? Yeah, so like Tanner said, it would expand our market substantially, you know, being in Montana, we, we have a million residents, which, you know, is increasing on a weekly basis here and blows us away, but a million people is a pretty small population comparatively across the country. Um, so the bill, the ability for us to open up that new markets all over, whether that be Chicago, New York City, you know, wherever it is and offer quality Montana beef that I can source and I know where it's coming from, how those animals were fed, how they were treated vaccine-wise, or if they had antibiotics. It, it gives us an opportunity to really supply people out of the state of Montana with, with what I would consider, you know, higher quality beef than what they can get going to the grocery store. Um, and just, just gives us a huge new opportunity to give people higher quality beef, you know, coming from a smaller processor. And Jake, do you have demand from from these out-of-state markets, like people calling you up and you know asking for meat, and because of these regulations, you can't provide it for them? Absolutely. Um, off of our website, I probably average 10 to 15 messages a week. Uh, people from out-of-state from all over. I mean, I've had numerous messages from New York City asking if we can ship beef over there, and I 
unfortunately I have to tell them that we can't. Um, and they asked me why, and I explained to them that, you know, that's, that's part of the federal meat act. And, you know, we're following the same regulations as a USDA inspected plant because Montana is an equal to state. So all of our standards have to meet or, you know, be equal to or greater than the USDA standards. And, and the consumer doesn't understand why, if we're following the same standards, why I can't send them meat. And, and it's a hard thing for me to explain. Um, but, you know, I, I try to educate them and let them know. And, and they still ask me, well, you know, can you just send it to me? And I said, no, I can't just send it to you. Um, you know, I got to be pretty careful there. It's, they're pretty strict about it in, in our state, you know, that we don't ship anything. Um, so there, there is a big demand out there. It's, I, get, I have a map that comes from my analytics off of my website that shows where all of my people that are looking at our website come from. And I have more out-of-state visitors through our website than I do in-state. Wow, that is a huge market and a, a lot being left on the table. Tanner, can you uh, give us a more uh, detail into NCBA's support of this bill and how it's going to work to get this passed? Currently, uh, there are some limited opportunities for some states to ship their state inspected product uh, into other out of state markets, but that requires participation in what's called the cooperative interstate shipment program, which is administered by USDA. And for what we've been able to ascertain from our conversations with uh, state directors and commissioners of agriculture is that that program, uh, it, was in, it was initiated several years ago, decades ago, in fact, and it just doesn't really meet the needs of a lot of these states where there is a viable state inspected program. And like Jake was alluding to, you know, they have to, they have to meet that same federal standard uh, in those state inspected facilities. And so a lot of people ask us, you know, well, why, why is it then if it's equal to the federal inspection, why can't it get uh, across state lines? And it is a great question, and it's one that isn't really well understood, but it all kind of comes back to uh, food safety, right? And that's why this bill is so much better than some of the alternatives that have been contemplated on Capitol Hill in recent years because of that direct-to-consumer link. Currently, if there were to be adulterated product that were to enter the marketplace, and let's say, for example, it came from uh, um, Montana, and it was inspected by the Montana Department of Agriculture, shipped across into Idaho. Once that product crosses state lines, the Montana Department of Agriculture no longer has any recall authority on that product. And that creates a big problem, uh, especially in terms of consumer confidence. You know, the cow that stole Christmas with BSE back in 2003 really showed how a crisis of consumer confidence can really affect overall beef demand and uh, subsequently the demand for cattle as well. So, uh, that's why we are so dedicated to this particular piece of legislation, because it is direct to consumer and in those small retail quantities. If for some reason adulterated product were, be, were to be introduced, it would be very easily traceable. The seller could contact the buyer directly and inform them of that. Uh, and that's just a, a much better situation to find ourselves in. Tanner, I would, I would definitely echo what you just said about traceability and the ability for a smaller facility to recall. Um, one of our state organizations called me and asked me what I thought about the direct act and how we would perform recalls. And, you know, just, just kind of getting some, trying to get some feedback on how we can do interstate shipment on state inspected product. And I was 100% on board with the e-commerce only because it does give us a way 
one, we can collect phone numbers, addresses, credit card information. You know, it would give us an ability to do a recall if that were necessary. And I think that's a huge piece of this legislation is like you said, food safety and consumer confidence. And, and this legislation does give us the ability to do that and, and continue to maintain high consumer confidence in these products through state inspected facilities. You know, Steve, the other thing that I'd point out is that, you know, this is this is not intended to be a, a silver bullet solution. This is uh, one particular piece of legislation. Uh, you've probably heard me talk several times about the Price Act, which was also introduced by Congressman Johnson in the last Congress. Um, but that piece of legislation included the direct act in it. And what we're anticipating over the course of the next several weeks is for multiple pieces of legislation to be introduced that kind of deal with expanding opportunities for small and very small beef processors, whether they be state inspected or even federally inspected, and then also increasing our beef processing capacity, which as we know, is a very, very real uh, issue, has been for a long time, and is something that we need to be focusing on very heavily, uh, especially given all the lessons that we learned when capacity utilization dropped so heavily during the COVID crisis. So there's more legislation to come. But one thing that I also want to point out is that we uh, also were supportive of what's called the Ramp Up Act. And that would provide some federal dollars to these state inspected facilities and even custom exempt facilities if they so choose to offset some of the costs of becoming federally inspected and thus opening themselves up to interstate commerce. And so that piece of legislation uh, was passed by Congress and signed by the president as part of the last COVID relief and omnibus appropriations bill back in December. Uh, so we are uh, working very diligently with USDA uh, to try and make sure that that program gets teed up so that we can get those resources out to the ground where they are so desperately needed. The Ramp Up Act also uh, it commissioned a study to look at the CIS program and find ways to make improvements, uh, just another tool in the toolbox and expanding opportunity for these state inspected beef facilities. So what you're saying is this is a larger part of an all of the above approach NCBA is taking to help producers on the ground. Absolutely. Um, a lot of the helpful pieces of legislation that ended up getting tied into the Price Act, um, we are anticipating that those will continue to be reintroduced throughout the course of the first months of this Congress. And once they do, uh, you know, we could potentially see them all get bunched together again into an omnibus package that resembles what the Price Act did in the last Congress. So uh, stay tuned. This is, the, this is the first domino that's going to set off the chain reaction. And uh, we're really excited about what opportunities lie ahead of us. Fantastic. Well, Jake Tanner, thanks for joining me on this. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. You have been listening to Beltway Beef. Until we meet again, eat beef. Follow us online at policy.ncba.org, on Twitter at Beltway Beef, and Spotify at Beltway Beef. Thank you for listening.